P. Ryan is in. One timeout for Cincinnati. And going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase. Oh, my goodness, what a crab. 34-yard touchdown throw. Burrow back to throw. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh. Touchdown. Man. Bengals. Unreal. Hello and welcome to episode 175 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. We're back after a couple of weeks break. We've been watching uh, the internet quite a lot, not in that way, but just kind of checking out OTAs, seeing what's been happening. And uh, we've uh, come to some conclusions, haven't we, Nathan Palmer? How you doing, my son? Always nice to have a couple of weeks off for the off-season, isn't it? But always great as well to be back alongside you. Thank you very much, likewise. And we, uh, listeners, we, Nathan and I, uh, actually uh, got to spend some time with each other last week, actually in person. That was exciting, wasn't it? It was not. A few men of Brayers were flowing, weren't they, in uh, the old gas station at King's Cross. Fantastic bar if anyone has been there before and is popping into town. But, um, yeah, most enjoyable, Sam. Indeed. Although I did think I'd missed you, I'd walked all the way up to your office only to find it completely (laughs) shut. (laughs) And you said, sorry, old son, I'm in the pub. I mean, what yeah, kind I mean, of what kind of managing director? Actually, quite a good one, I think. Actually, if you down the pub <laughs> with the rest of your team, uh, but yeah, it was great to see. Plans were hatched, and men of Brayers were sunk, weren't they? It was very good. The perfect summary, I think, son. Yeah, really good. I mean, it's great that everything's back flowing again now. Hopefully, we can do one of these podcasts in person soon. I think everyone would enjoy that. As you know, the closer we get towards the season, but um, yeah, very very enjoyable Friday afternoon. Indeedy, and I'm sure lots of people want to see, or well, do they? Uh, the the much talked about drunk naked podcast. That <laughs> I believe. Uh, did I lose that bet, or did you lose that bet? I can't remember. It's going back about two years. That now. I know. Thank goodness. Well, no, not at all. Obviously, but uh, one of one of the very few uh, silver linings of the COVID cloud was that uh, we didn't do the naked podcast. So. Um, it didn't have many silver linings, that COVID uh, horrible thing uh, for the past two years, but I think that was it. No one really wants to see us naked, do they? Apart from you. <laughs> Speak for yourself, son. There's a few <laughs> few listeners out there, I'm sure, that be uh, sure be most excited by them. Uh, indeed. Uh, in this episode, uh, we will be talking about the things we haven't been able to talk about in the last two weeks. Uh, not much news coming out of PBS, but a few bits and pieces, I say. We're going to go over what uh, what we thought of the uh, OTAs that have been happening on the field there at Paul Brown Stadium, next to Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, we've got a few new featurettes for you. I hope you'll like them. And, um, yeah, we've got a bit of news uh, as well. And there will be lots of news actually coming up throughout the summer, so we'll keep you posted. And when I say news, I mean meetups. I mean trips to Cincinnati. I mean watch parties i mean all sorts of good stuff um so stay tuned you've got a big fireworks out some well i'm not sure how big fire maybe a a sparkler or two 
but not necessarily. I don't know. You're selling big... yourself short. You know? There's some medium-sized rockets. I think that you're like you're you aiming reckon? at the sky. Okay, well, I guess the listeners will be uh, the judge of that when I light the fuse, Nathan. Um, but that won't be uh, for a while. Uh, but first, let's turn our attention. Not much news coming out of Paul Brown Stadium, but certainly the big news, obviously, the players back in town. The boys back in town for OTAs. Fantastic to see Joe Burrow without his knee brace. He's appeared on a couple of podcasts looking really nice and uh, and sounding actually really nice and relaxed and refreshed and in, in really good form. Players coming back from injury, great to see Joseph Asai back on the on the turf there, running almost full tilt, I saw, uh, which is great. All the players back in, and uh, it was great to see. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost tricks you a little bit, doesn't it? Because you, you think, oh, hang on, the players are knocking around back, it can't be too far after the season. And then obviously you look at um, the calendar and you realise, oh, actually, it's a bit... Bit tempting you in early there, isn't it? Because you've still got another sort of good what two two and a half months before we see the the preseason. But I think we're blessed this season. We have made not only have we made the Super Bowl um, because of the entertainment and the quality of it, but the fact that we have a much much shorter off season than usual by at least a month. So yeah, um, yeah, it certainly will come around much quicker than usual. I think this uh, this time round. Anything that you particularly enjoyed seeing in the OTAs? Anything catch your eye that? Uh... Obviously, it's very difficult to um, to form real hard opinions because we're not there in person. We can't see what what happens. A couple of guys uh, are on the bridge there, looking looking down onto the uh, practice field. But as fans, uh, far far away, um, are difficult to form any opinions. But did you see anything that you thought, yeah, yeah, that looks good to me? I like I like the look of that. It's hard, isn't it? I, mean, I think the fact that you see the new offensive line out there in front of Joe Boy is nice to see a couple of those big fellas that we've gone out and picked up in the off-season. They're the headliners. They're the ones that are going to come in and hopefully take this offense to another level. Um, so great to see them out there. And really, I know um, there's been a couple of knocks and injuries around, a few people missing out, whatever else. But I think they're the headline guys for me. And it, they're, they're, they're going to be guys that... I guess when even the regular season, the pre-season camp rolls around, they're harder to grade. They're harder to really judge the impact of those guys on the line. But but we all know that the impact and the benefit that they give to the team. And um, yeah, I think it's exciting to see them getting some chemistry, building up some rapport with Joe Boy. Any uh, obviously training camp is about a month away. Um, anything that is has caught your eye in terms of potential storylines potential camp battles anything that's in your in your the kernel of a camp battle beginning to sprout in your in your mind well i think in terms of what what's standing out to me at the moment is the jesse bates saga but i don't do we want to talk about camp battles first and then move on to that son you, yeah you're, let, you're, let's you're, talk you're about the... uh, you've ruined my segue now but um... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, any, anything you notice about camp battles? The the one that sticks out to me is Jackson Carmen and uh, uh, it's whether... an awkward one with him, isn't it? I mean, let's just talk about. I know we talked about him a while ago, but I mean, it's been very quiet on that, isn't it? And I know we talked about it a few episodes back around the, the ter- allegations. All right, okay, you're, 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 and... you're referring specifically to the allegations. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. pretty nasty, pretty hard hitting allegations. That are, again, I think because it's the off season and. Things are a bit sleepy. It, it sort of got not brushed under the carpet, but nothing's really come of it, I guess. But I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, it's a bit of an ugly situation, isn't it? And one that you you possibly want a little bit more clarity on because yeah. surely that's got some sort of impact. So it should have some sort of an impact on his roster status. But I yeah, don't know. It's a yeah. bit of a I mean, Well, he was like, interviewed in the locker room and it caused all kinds of stink. Uh, the, no, I know, uh, I know, I know. The uh, website that first broke and published the allegations had a right old go at our, at, yeah. uh, our old friends, Jay Morrison and Paul Danny Jr. Jay wrote a piece that didn't reference any of the allegations. And also in the interviews, he wasn't asked about the allegations. And I, as a journalist myself, and being in these kind of quite tight round table like situations where you've got PR people standing right there with you, I do sympathise with them. Uh, a great deal, actually. But saying that, I would have liked, and in fact, going forward, I would like to hear from Jackson Carmen yeah, about, about the allegations because 100%. they're really not very nice at all. And you really wouldn't, you know, you you don't, goodness me, it's the NFL, isn't it? And, and unfortunately, this kind of thing happens all over the place. But you don't, as a fan, you really don't want that kind of person on your team, do you? If, if there's any substance to these allegations... No, of course, and I mean the the problem is, is like you said, it ha- the, these sort of things happen far too often in the NFL, and it's difficult to know where you draw the line. If someone, you know, do you need a a conviction to be had? I mean, we all know the Deshaun Watson incident and how unsavoury that was, and I, it's very, very difficult. I don't know if he's going to be reviewed by the league. I don't know exactly sort of it's quite a complex situation behind the scenes that we're not privy to but i think absolutely right someone's got to have a word with him get his take on it get him to come out and sort of tell his side of the story now whether or not you choose to believe that or not is is up to everyone else but i think you'd at least like the question asked and to sort of see how even for the team to come out and make a statement quite frankly i think that's you know probably something that needs needs to happen and Needs to come. I know he's not a big part of the team. He's not necessarily a starter. Well, that's he's the thing. Best... He could, well, at the moment, he is a starter. He is the starting left. Well, guard. I, yeah, you know I suppose I mean? officially, yeah. But I mean, I think I think something needs to be done about it. Is is what I would say before. I mean, we, you know, we can sit there and talk about is he going to win the starting guard spot. But I think most people, most fans, I think would like some sort of clarity on this a little bit more than than we've had. I think. I don't know. What do you reckon, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I just want to clarify uh, this whole kind of round table scenario uh, for journalists. You know, you've got a couple of PRs standing there. Quite often, when you talk to people who've done controversial things, said controversial things, you are explicitly told not to ask uh, about that subject. Yeah. Um, now, plenty of journalists do still because they want to get that comment, they want to get that story. But more often than not, if anybody asks a question that they're on a subject that they're specifically asked not to, then that interview is shut down immediately or there's a flat no comment. Um, and then the interview gets shut down. So it's a, I know from the outside it kind of seems like, well, you know, come on, who cares? You know, But the Cincinnati journalists have to deal with the team on a day-in-day-out day basis. You know, They've got relationships to form over various months and uh, it is a nuanced situation you know it is quite a a tricky balance to strike however like I said I would like to hear or at least yeah I would like to hear the question asked uh, at a future uh, press conference or uh, in the locker room or whatever it might be Uh, but certainly on a football point of view um, yeah I mean 
he's got some work to do on a from a footballing side as well. I think. Well, hundred percent. I mean, you know, he's a second round pick. A lot of people were questioning it at the time whether or not it was a bit of a reach. I think uh, me myself thought it was a bit of a reach. Wasn't sure that he would necessarily provide a great value at that spot. But Bengals clearly had done their research. Frank Pollock, I think, must have been a little bit behind that as well. Wanted to sort of bring a guy in from a big school, try and mould him and, you know, get him in there. And I think if you just spend a high second round pick on a guy like that, you want some production out of him. And there's a lot of questions about his conditioning, his maturity last season. And when he did play, it didn't look great. But, you know, in ordinary circumstances, you by no means give up on a guy like that. You give him another training camp. You hope they sort of build up, build up their confidence and their strength and conditioning in the off season. They come in and they're a better player in year two. So, I think as well, if we're just talking from a footballing perspective, getting those two new lads, well, three new lads in, uh, all experienced you know, players on that offensive line, you've got to hope that'll help, that some of these guys with a bit of experience come in and put their arm round in, supposed to be leaders, certainly Karras and Kappa, very lauded as you know, good locker room guys, leaders, you know, very experienced to come in and say, look, son, buck up your ideas here, work hard and you know, sort yourself out. And hopefully that makes a difference. You know, obviously he's going to be a year older. Um, so, you know, there's still a chance for Jackson Carmen, but I think he's, he's by all means got to sort things out sooner rather than later, because not only with his performance and, you know, sort of stuff off the field, obviously this stuff, you know, relating to the allegations and everything else is, is not helping his case at all. And I think that if he does come into camp and muck about and not, you know, work as hard as he should or put the talent in front of people um, that are a fairly high second round pick last year should be showing, then I don't think the Bengals are going to think, you know, be too bothered about um, pulling the trigger on him. So... Yeah, certainly going to be an interesting one to watch at his end on that line. Very much so. And here's my segue, Nathan. The only person that wasn't there, actually Trey Hendrickson wasn't there because he took, had taken some time out to uh, spend some time with his family. Of course, it's ma- it's not mandatory, these OTAs, so fair enough. But So pretty good attendance, apart from Trey Hendrickson. And the only person of note not there was Jesse Bates, uh, which wasn't a surprise, I guess, with... Um, with everything that's going on with the contract situation. Of course, everyone's spoken about this the past couple of weeks, and uh, we, we were told that um, he's going to skip not only OTAs, but training camp. He's going to do a bit of a holdout because he has no intention of playing under the franchise tag. Um, again, lots of words have been spoken about this. I'm torn on the, I, you know, the whole situation. What's your take on Jesse Bates, do you see him in a Bengal shirt come September? Oh, I can understand both sides of this. I think there's an argument that Jesse Bates could have sat last season out. There was sort of murmurs of it. I thought he's very mature to play to play through that last year. Obviously, the Bengals and him haven't come to an agreement on a deal. Um, the biggest thing for me here is I can understand the Bengals saying, look, we don't want to pay top five money at the safety position, either A, because they don't think that he's worth top five money, or B, because they don't value the position enough to invest a huge chunk of money into that when they've got a lot of deals coming up in the future. The problem is, and the biggest problem for me is that even though I can side with the Bengals a little bit on that, you know, they've just gone and got a safety in the first round. They've got mm, some... Mm. 
You know, they've got Von Bell there. I know obviously he's out of contract as well, but they may they may not think with all the young talent they've got on the team that, you know, your T. Higgins, obviously Chase's Burroughs, all these people that are going to be coming up for enormous contracts in the near future. You can kind of see why they're almost reluctant with Jesse Bates, who, to be fair as well, let's just, I mean, as I rate Jesse Bates. He's arguably the best player on that defence. He's fantastic. He played fantastically well last year. He has been up and down. There has been points in, you know, the season before last where he wasn't fantastic and he has had some bad games. Now, by all means, he stepped it up when it mattered last year and he's absolutely fantastic and a large part responsible for why we got to the Super Bowl. But this is why you sort of question, you know, if we're paying him top five money, you want him to be consistent. You want him to be playing at that level every single week. Now, the the question mark that I think I've got with it is that if he does hold out, and he doesn't turn up to training camp and he potentially doesn't play this season. We've seen players go as far as not playing the regular season, not playing the preseason, whatever it might be. We're a significantly weaker team without him. Now, we've got a, a, a small window. You never know how small or large your window is in the NFL. You know, just because we've got Joe Boy and Jamar Chase and, you know, DJ Reed or whatever else, that does not mean by any means that we're guaranteed to get back to the Super Bowl, nor even be in contention for the playoffs. You know, you look how quick the NFL turns around. Two seasons ago, three seasons ago, we were the laughing stock of the league. We're going nowhere. We make the, the Super Bowl the next season. There's some fantastic teams around the NFL, and especially in the AFC, that have loaded up on talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You need your best players out there. Now, whether you can be sort of, I'm not saying stubborn, but you can be stubborn and say, well, we don't want to pay that. It's too much. We don't value the position. Let him hold out. Oh, shit, he's holding out. Fine, we're holding out. We, you know, we're not coming to an agreement here. But you're just weaker for it. And you're potentially squandering what is a golden chance of the Cincinnati Bengals winning the Super Bowl. Maybe the best ever chance going into the season where you'd say, well, you've got a lot of players in their peak. You've got them on rookie contracts. There's a chance here to really you know, go for the jugular. We made the Super Bowl last year. We were very unlucky not to win it. Um, we've not really lost anyone this offseason of any real significance. You've got the team together. You've got the band going. I just think it'd be an awful shame if he doesn't play this year and we trade him or whatever the solution is, he sits out. You're a worse team. He's one of your best players. All it needs this year is a couple of injuries on that defensive side. Trey Hendrickson gets hurt at some point in training camp or in the preseason and DJ Reader misses a few games. All of a sudden the defense, you know, it looks a bit shaky and you can talk about bringing in Daxton Hill and in the first round, it doesn't mean anything. You know, we've drafted people in the secondary in the first round before that, you know, you talk about Darquez Denard, William Jackson, all first round picks that we drafted at the time. Everyone said they were going to be fantastic. They were okay. They weren't bad. Certainly weren't fantastic in their rookie season. Um, See, there's no way that you can just say, oh, you know, he's fine. He's going to step up and take his place. That's a that's a silly take, I think. And even if he does step up and play fairly well, you, you, you're not getting the talent that Jesse Bates brings at a Pro Bowl level. So it's a real concern for me. Um, and I don't feel optimistic in any way, shape or form they're going to get a deal done. I just think that it's all down to this guaranteed money stuff, stuff that goes slightly above my head. Um, but... Yeah, I, I am quite concerned about it, actually, Sam. Well, they've got a very split decision. Well, actually, the, there was a slight majority, I think, in favour of coming down on the Bengals. So I, I think in this situation, no side is in the wrong, really. The Bengals have their structure. They've got their 
Obviously, their plan in place in terms of signing your big contracts next year and the year after, Burrow, Higgins, Chase, Logan Wilson. Um, it's a very tricky one. You can't blame Bates and his agent for digging their heels in and uh, and trying to maximise the value and get that contract. That's what an agent, that's what a super agent like David Mulligetta kind of does, doesn't he? You know, he he, <laughs> he doesn't muck around. He, he gets the best deal for his client and this felt like a, a threat, a leverage threat to me, you know, the whole holdout thing. Uh, it seems that they both want, you know, he wants to play for Cincinnati and the Bengals want him to play for Cincinnati. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, VB at Von Blade says, it's not about JB3 today, it's about Burrow and Chase tomorrow. You pay him, but not CB1 money. Not with three potential replacements, including your first round pick in the wings. Then you get Killian at Molloy underscore double zero. Pay him. He is a difference maker. Without him, we don't get to the Super Bowl. He is elite. Uh, Thomas. Well, and that, that, that's a fair point as well, because you, you think back to last season, if he doesn't play the whole season last year, I don't think you do make the Super Bowl. I think you there was a lot of games last year, especially in the playoffs that were, you know, were fine margins. And you look at that Titans game being one, he's in exception on the first play of the game and a few other plays, you know, throughout those games that he was responsible for. And if, if you're saying that's the difference between you, you know, having a decent sort of, oh, we won a playoff game, we've got that monkey off our back and actually god we came within a minute and a half of winning the super bowl because he was on the field i mean there's very few players that can make that sort of difference and play at that sort of level now you've got no guarantees he's gonna play at that sort of level if you give him a ton of guaranteed money he might you know rest on his laurels and play sort of at a pretty average standards we, you don't know he's going to be playing at you know that elite level when he's got a contract mm. on the line but I do think that the Bengals are in a bit of a tricky situation with it all because, I can, like I said, I completely understand them. I mean, you know, the point before from Von Blade about, you know, it's about Burrow, it's about Chase, it's about Higgins, it's about Logan Wilson, all these young talents that are going to want contracts that you either you are or aren't going to be able to pay. And realistically, where does Jesse Bates stack up in all of that? Not necessarily fantastic, especially, as was said, when you've gone and drafted a safety in the first round. But I think if it weakens you in the short term, um, when you ha- you're in a Super Bowl window and everything's okay, I just think it'd be a real shame to hinder and potentially you know weaken ourselves when it's going to be very competitive in the AFC next year and you may never get a better chance than the season that we've got upcoming. Tom Mason at Houday in the UK says, I think they need to keep an all-in attitude. If it's true that Jesse won't sign until he gets top three money, it's not a team attitude. Would hate to see him leave, but damn, it's probably for the best. Uh, CJ at who? CJ, so difficult. Real question now becomes who? Who blinks first? And if there's not a contract agreement, Bengals with a trade for what will now be low compensation or Bates actually sitting out the de- out the year. Thomas at the anti-Trumper, um, not tricky at all. You get maximum value now. You move on. And you wish him the best. Secondary will be fine. Uh, Aaron Parker at Membengal. Uh, he, he echoes that sentiment. You do not pay him. You drafted for this possibility. Hill is ready. Um... I see. I think he's a massive drop-off, like I said with, with Hill. I mean, it... He's completely unproven, and I know everyone gets excited about first-round picks because you watch all the videos and you hear but all the I, good I things think, about I think them. that's what you've got to... Surely that's... 
yes, of course, is improved, but that's unproven. But that's the whole point of the draft, isn't it? I mean, you yeah, have to it's, it's you have to re- go. What what do you do if if so, if a play if you know a player is going to go if you're planning for a a player not to re-sign, you've got to draft his replacement, right? Surely that's the way. No, it works. sure, I, I, I get the fact. I get that, and there's every chance that he could play, you know, at, at nearly the same sort of level as Jesse Bates. Unlikely, but it, it's not completely impossible. But I just think that you're in this window. It's tight, you know. You don't. You never. Joe Burrow could absolutely destroy his knee on the first game of next year's preseason, and the whole window. You know, this was our last chance to win the Super Bowl. We've got. You know, everything in place, arguably, before this season starts. We're a team just removed from the Super Bowl. This is it. Like, you know, this was the best chance we've ever had. I just think to squander it and say, oh, no, we're not going to pay Jesse Bates. We're too good for it because we might need to get these guys two or three years down the line or well, even next a year, year down next the line. Season. Well, yeah, even next season. It's like... You know, you can you see how fluid the cap is around the NFL. The way teams well, are able to work is, around it. That is a good point because the Bengals. One thing they are criticised for is the way they do not work the cap. They don't, uh, you know, kind of spin the plates and you know, kind of distribute the money. They don't like paying huge, uh, guaranteed money. By all accounts, they like to not do that. So um, that's one thing they are criticised for, and that's one thing. I don't, even though they've been more open in terms of uh, going after free agents, and goodness me, they've done a good job of it in the last couple of years. Yeah, they yeah, haven't, yeah. by the looks of it, haven't altered their philosophy when it comes to structuring deals. Now, it's also, I also think what message does it send out to other players on the team that have worked? Because I mean, Jesse Bates is well regarded in the locker room. He's he's played at a very very high level. And the Bengals are turning around to him and saying, you know, we don't think you're worth this money. We're not giving you the guaranteed money. How does that make some younger players on the team team feel? You know, there's been a few players recently that the Bengals have let go that homegrown that in the past they would have locked up. Carl Lawson being one. Now, I know he got injured, but anyone can get injured. I don't think you can say that what the Bengals got, you know, did, did well on that because he could have also had a fantastic season and tore it up and he may well still do. So... It, it's just a slightly interesting one. Is that you look back in the day, the Bengals were absolutely nailed on to sign all of their players. The second deals, Gino, Carlos Dunlap. They, you know, mm. they really sort of invested in those guys for the long term. Um, and then they now seem much more content to go into free agency and actually not necessarily um, be loyal to their draft picks, even if they are playing well. So I just don't, I don't know. Does it upset the chemistry in the locker room? Is the defence going to be... Well, I, I, I think, you know, Ross... Jesse's but... going to be pissed off. And of course he, you know, he's going to be talking to him but... and he's going to be saying this, that and the other. But and... I think those guys in the locker room know, understand that it's a business thing. And this happens yeah, every single yeah. year. The fact is you cannot keep everyone. You can't. No, you no, just no, can't. No. Uh, Shooter McPherson at Honky Kong. Uh, no, he isn't worth the money he's asking for. We have too many contracts coming up in the near future. Burrow, Higgins, Chase, Wilson. Should also be mentioned that T. Higgins has the same agent as Jesse Bates, so that's going to be a uh, fun time, Frankies, next year. Brian Driscoll at Dr. 32497879. Brian. Uh, Shocking handle. <laughs> too late. With this stand, Jesse's no longer going to play for the Bengals. I mean... He's going to forego $13 million because he's upset. He must be very upset. And that's the thing. 
I mean, who's going to turn yeah. down thirteen mil for a year? I mean, it doesn't seem seems a bit daft. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to think about it from a business perspective. From his thing though, like if he gets a guaranteed deal, which a lot of players around the league get that are playing at that sort of level, and I'm sure there'd be a handful of teams that give him that guaranteed deal. He insures him against tearing his ACL and never playing again, breaking his neck in the first game of the preseason or in training camp and not being able to get on the field. Like you you have to see. It. I know it feels greedy to us who you know where thirty million a year would be absolutely outrageous and you'd be rolling around on the floor but the reality is as you said son it's a business his agents in there to do a deal there's everyone else around the league other safeties you know are going to be vying for that sort of money be watching that and to see what happens so as much as it's easy for us to say well it's 13 million you'd you'd snap the geezer's hand off it's not their end like he wants to get paid what he's worth in a league where there is crazy money flowing around so you know i can understand it both ways but i can also understand it that you know he's playing at an elite level um, in one of the biggest sports in the world, and he wants to get paid for. It. I don't think you can hold that against him. No, absolutely. One thing I do know, I think probably Jesse Bates is uh, you know a great guy, great player on his day. Uh, We've met the geezer, haven't we? We have. He's been on this podcast before. What a lovely guy! And I, I do genuinely think that the Bengals are a better team with Jesse Bates on it. You know, there's of no course. question yeah, about that. Uh, stand by for that story, though. There's lots of... Um, yes, there's... Uh, I don't know. What, what would you What would you honestly do, Sam? I'm edging towards... If he doesn't take the deal, then it's good night, I think. Um, much as I hate that... Um, yeah, I kind of hate it, but I, I, like you said, there's no right or wrong. No party is right. No party is wrong. I get the argument that the door is wide open now. Why not retain all your best players right now for that next year's Super Bowl run? I get that and I understand that and agree with it in some respects. I also uh, understand and agree with the fact that this is a very much, uh, very much an offensive league now. And you look at the pass attacks. Uh, I mean, we've just lo- lose just proved it in the draft by drafting two, three secondary guys. You know what I mean? Um, but it, it so yeah, you know, the, the, the having a very deep and uh, decent secondary is what it's all about these days. Um, however, with all that saying, if you know, I wouldn't blame the Bengals if they just turn around and say, "Look, man, we don't value this." I don't think they don't value Jesse as a person or as a player. I'm not sure they value the position um, as highly as perhaps Jesse and his agent does and of course again they have a very set in stone uh, philosophy when it comes to structuring deals and and what you know they have very set in stone values for p- particular positions so i think it's going to be difficult for them to move and also i mean if if there wasn't burrow if there wasn't higgins if there wasn't chase and if there wasn't logan wilson next year coming up to be um to be extended then I don't think you know it's a no-brainer yeah just give him 14 15 million no problems you know what I mean I've got the impression that he's asking for somewhere around 16 that's what I'm thinking yeah and uh, that's probably a couple of million too too much for the Bengals so quick 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 question for you yes do you, do you think in any way shape or form that the fact that Bengals are legitimate Super Bowl contenders this year and there's you know they well they are I mean they were last year but they are now certainly do you think that weighs on his mind a bit to be like oh shit like if I do old out here what about if I miss a Super Bowl run or do you not think he's particularly bothered by that 
I think I think this is this is a super ruthless agent here. He doesn't give a shit about hometown discounts. Obviously, he doesn't give a shit about whether they're a Super Bowl contender or not. He just wants his client to get the best money, and the market says that the best. I mean, for Jesse Bates, though. I mean, for him. Like, do you think? Well, he's yeah. I there, mean. Like, if- if there's I, I don't think he has because sitting... because he's chosen he he ditch he fired his last agent and then he's gone with David Mulligetta, which sends a message out saying that he believes yep. that he's uh you know he believes he's worth you know the top money for the safety position in the league. Um, but I, but I think what I'm saying is if it comes down to a holdout and the Bengals are saying look here's the franchise tag thirty million or nothing. And the Bengals are sat there and primed and ready to go to the start of the season. And he's sat there thinking, I'm literally going to sit this out when this team could go and win a Super Bowl. And I want to miss getting a ring and miss getting 30 million to try and get another contract in a year's time. You think he would actually see that through based on the fact of the Bengals being a legitimate contender? I do think that Mulligetta has has played this card for leverage purposes. I I mean, a lot of people in the inside are saying they do expect to see Jesse Bates back in a Bengals shirt if it's just for one year, and I'm going with that. I, I think, you know, why would you turn down $13 million for a year's work? You know, um, yes, there's the risk of injury, but, you know, there's the risk of injury any year for any NFL player, do you know what I mean? So um, I expect him to be back, but it's it might get a bit messy for the first couple of weeks in training camp, I think. Yeah, we'll see. no fair. God, I said that we weren't going to talk about Jesse Bates too much because everyone else has talked about it. But there you go. It's such an intriguing subject. Actually, it's such a horrible subject, isn't it? I hate, I hate these contract negotiations and this kind of holding out and this. I'm going to hold out from this podcast. I think, <laughs> and if I get a, a long term deal by the time training camp holds out, I did. I did hear that you'd signed with David Mulligetta. So um, <laughs> uh, before we get onto our silly bits and pieces, um, I just want to go over something because there seems to be yes, the Bengals. Well, let's face it, the Bengals. You talked about are the Bengals a a Super Bowl contender? Yes, I believe they are in this in the upcoming season. Whether actually whether Bates is there or not, I do have faith in Daxton Hill, but and Tyson Anderson actually. Let's let's not forget him. However, um, you know, once you do well as a team, you become a threat to other teams, and uh, there's been quite a bit of. Uh, uh, back and forth with Ravens fans and Browns fans on the internet web, and also uh, from other teams as well, kind of saying, it's, you know, well, you shut up because it was just a fluke, you're a load of rubbish, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's, I would take those insults as a bit of a compliment, actually, because that shows that we are a threat and people fear us, you know. But it does seem to have permeated throughout the national media, the US national media, obviously. This is Peter King. He's uh, issued his first uh, power rankings. I know they're a load of old nonsense, but it's kind of good to see the Bengals at number seven. Uh, But there just seems to be this idea and this concept uh, permeating throughout the national media that the Bengals were lucky to get to the Super Bowl uh, last year. The Bengals were the beneficiaries of a lousy game, Peter King said by the top seed Titans in the divisional round and a Patrick Mahomes pick on the first drive of overtime in the AFC title game. Good for them uh, for the transcendent season, defying all expectations, but they had some good fortune and a great kicker. Now, every team that gets to a final in a knockout competition has a bit of luck 
along the yep. way, right? I don't think. Uh, so the Bengals had a bit of luck. Of course they did. But I will also contend that the Rams had huge slices of luck as well. And that's what you need to kind of, you know, get to uh, the final of a knockout tournament, you know. Um, but I don't understand these things. Yeah, but, you know, they came out against a bad quarterback and against the Titans. You know, they, they, you know, they were lucky because Patrick Mahomes, you know, threw an interception. And it's like, well, hold on a minute there. That's, I mean... I don't, no, understand, I, I, I don't understand I, that logic at all. It's kind of, you know, you can only beat who you're, you know, who 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 is put in front of you. And if Tannehill's not very good in pressure situations, then it's not the Bengals' fault. You know what I mean? And, it's, it's and not, they're on the road. In, they're on the road in both games yeah. as well. I mean, that that that's that's a hard thing to go into the number one seed, and then you know, they didn't have any sort of buy. You know what I mean? They, I think that the only thing that was lucky for the Bengals that I think was just pure luck was the fact of the injury situation. I'll say it a yeah. hundred times. Yeah, that yeah. was lucky. Yeah. Aside from that, I think there's absolute bollocks in terms of the games. Like they're just yeah. a normal games. Could have gone either way. Bengals grinded him out, and that's not something the Bengals have been good at for a while. And they really, really stepped it up. I, I can't put any of that down to luck. To be and honest. is it lucky that they made plays at the right time defensively? No, I would argue not. You know, there's a great no. deal of skill about being in the right spot at the right time. There's yeah. a great deal yeah. of skill. I mean, you look at that Peter King, who I really rate as a journalist. Actually, I do hope to get him on this podcast at some point in the future. I think he's really great. Um, uh, they said they were the beneficiaries of a Patrick Mahomes pick in overtime. Of course they were, yeah. But it wasn't, was it luck? No, it was brilliant coverage by Bell and Bates, two safeties on the deep ball. And yep. also that uh, interception was built up over the course of half an hour when the Bengals suddenly clamped down on the Chiefs and absolutely destroyed them defensively in the second half. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't yeah. luck, it was the Bengals playing out of their out of their minds do you know what I mean I think and Paul Downey Jr. said a brilliant thing on um, hear that podcast growling uh, the other day he said that uh, you know the Bills played the Chiefs and the Chiefs staged this miraculous comeback in the final couple of well seconds really um, the Bills got more credit for losing against the Chiefs then the Bengals got for winning against the Chiefs. How can that be right? You know what I mean? It's it's kind of I can't remember the Bengals letting the Chiefs march down the field in about tw- with about twenty seconds to go. Can you remember that? I don't think we did do that. I think we actually went into our head and beat them. Well, we went into our head where the when the Bills kind of just traded blows and let the didn't let them obviously, but couldn't for whatever reason stop the Chiefs just going down uh, the field in that fourth quarter. Um, I seem to remember the Bengals holding them to a field goal in the second half. Do you know, it's all this kind of ridiculous stuff. And um, it wasn't, we're here to say, listeners, that it wasn't a fluke last year. We were a damn good team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were a damn good team. But next year is a, a massive, massive year for the Bengals. You've got to remember the last couple of years, the Bengals were terrible. They're laughing stock of the league. They were the worst team in the league, which is how they got Joe Burrow. And even prior to that, with the whole no playoff wins, they just weren't really at any point, even when they were gunning with Andy Dalton and Ray or 9-0, and they just were never considered a sexy team. It was always a bit small market and all Dalton's not a superstar. He's not always easy, easy the Meridian line of quarterbacks, all of that stuff. And, 
this last year, they put it all together. They got everyone healthy. They had some extremely sexy, fun young players in Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow absolutely taking the league by storm. And Cincinnati were the cool guys. They were the fun team. They were the young team in the Super Bowl. And everyone was raving about them. And that's past now. The NFL, everyone's got short memories. The off-seasons began. Everyone's talking about the draft. Everyone's focused on their own team again. And I think this is why you see the Bengals sliding down some power rankings. The odds of them winning the Super Bowl sliding down a bit. And, you know, people sort of not really remembering it too much because they're not like a Green Bay that are always there or thereabouts. And Aaron Rodgers is always going to put some points on the board and teams that are consistently there. And I think this is the year the Bengals have got to say, look, we're here to stay. We're a big quality young team. We're well coached. We're going to get even better. And this is the chance where the Bengals can say, well, it's not a fluke. It's not even close to being a fluke because we're going to go to the AFC title game again, or we're going to, you know, absolutely trounce the Ravens again, home and away and really sort of put down a mark that, you know, Joe Burrow is going to be the MVP and we're, we're here to stay for the next 10, 15 years because he hopefully Joe Boy is going to be there that long. So I think that's where you can really, for the long term, shift the media's narrative if you can have a big year this year. And, you know, it goes back to that Jesse Bates thing. Get it all right. Get it together. And, you know, we really do have a chance here. It's a good team. And I think it's our chance to prove that, like I said, we are here to stay. Here, here. Here, here, Nathan. Now, uh, I said that we didn't have too much news to talk about, but I think there wasn't that much news to talk about, but we talked about it for a long time. So, as regular listeners will know, we're partial to a bit of silliness, and uh, because there isn't too much news coming out of Paul Brown Stadium, and there won't be for a month or so, uh, we thought we'd make our own news up. And uh, so, um, we've got our own little news programme for you right now. My name's Barry Bullshit, and welcome to the follow-through. Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow stunned media reporters and fans alike when he took to the field during OTAs without the knee brace he wore throughout the 2021 season. The brace, represented by super agent David Mulugeta, is said to be demanding top five brace money and will not show up to training camp until the matter is resolved. <laughs> The tradition of sending a game ball to bars took a turn last week when one such game ball was reportedly hijacked and tampered with during its journey to a Bengals bar in Boston. It has since been determined that the actual courier who delivered the ball in question used the name Bell Bilichuk and was last seen driving towards Foxborough Stadium wearing a sweatshirt with the arms cut off. <laughs> In other game ball news, following Zach Taylor's tradition of distributing game balls to local bars in Cincinnati, Bengals UK has announced that they will be distributing drunk English people to local bars in Cincinnati this autumn. Bengals UK fans are preparing to celebrate Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee this week with street parties and government-sanctioned time off work to celebrate the monarch's 70th anniversary of being on the throne. Representing the Queen, David Mulugeta commented that Queen Elizabeth will retire unless the UK signs her another 70-year extension. <laughs> 
Punter Drew Chrisman was reportedly hauled into Mike Brown's office last week. The Cincinnati Bengals president was said to have queried Chrisman's expense claims from last season, which totaled hundreds of dollars. When asked why his expenses were so high, Drew Chrisman said, You try putting on seven leaving dues and seven welcome back to the practice squad parties on a backup punter's wage. Members of the Everton supporters group, the Cincinnati Toffees, were reprimanded by police after an incident at a local fast food restaurant. Trouble flared when members of the group realized they were 16th in line and they began to celebrate wildly. Casting our eye around the NFL now, the Chicago Bears have said they expect to throw rookie wide receiver Vellis Jones Jr. quote, into the fire pretty quick. The struggling club also says it plans to use the thumbscrew, the rack, dunking, and general flaying and other medieval torture techniques on other rookies during training camp. The NFLPA could not be reached for comment. News reaches us that former Bengals offensive lineman Bobby Hart attempted to block angry Twitter users after he issued yet another controversial tweet. Although he did row back on his threat after a British Bengals fan reminded him he's never successfully blocked anyone in his life. And finally this week, Kevin Huber has reportedly told friends that he will retire from the NFL after the 2022 season. The 73-year-old former pro bowler is said to be starting his own Cincinnati-based taxi company called Huber. Well, there we go. That was our first ever edition of the follow through. If you have any jokes, send them to us. They're bound to be an improvement on that. Nathan, do you tune into the follow through? Uh, Barry on top form there, I think. Well, regularly, Sam, regularly. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, I'm still chuckling about the Hubert joke there. Uh, right. Uh, another new feature. We thought, you know, we were a bit bored during the off season. And we want to make Nathan work because obviously now he's got a new super agent um, in tow and he's threatening to hold out. Um, we want to put him to, to work. And uh, Nathan's very, you know, he might not sound it, but he's a very wise, uh, seasoned, sage-like individual. And, uh, he's, sage-like? He's not like the herb, but, you know, like the the wisdom. You've got wisdom. You've lived a life. You know people. You... You're you're very good at drinking beer. I mean, giving advice, and um, so I thought I'd ask readers to uh, ask you some moral dilemmas, and uh, you could be an agony uncle. What do you think for for fun? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd love to give it a go. All right then. Okay. So I've got some. Um, haven't put it out to the public yet, and you must get in touch with us at Hooday underscore UK if. You do have any moral conundrums. It can be anonymous, obviously. Well, obviously, if you send a message on Twitter, it won't be anonymous. But do you know what I mean? I will make it anonymous if you need it to be. And uh, if not... Yeah, a bit like, like Fess Hole for Bengals fans, this. It is a bit like Fess Hole. Uh, we'll call this Palmer Hole for now, uh, I think. <laughs> um, right, so I made up some and grabbed some from other sources. Um, dear Nathan... 
Uh, I've just joined Tinder and I put up a picture of me in my Bengals jersey as my profile picture. To my surprise, not only did someone match with me, but also sent me a message that said, Who day? I couldn't believe my luck. And during our first conversation, I also found out that she was a Cincinnati native living in my city. Um, when we met, we hit it off. And after a while, one thing led to another. Hello. Uh, didn't say that. I said that. Things were going great uh, until one night at dinner, she said that she had a confession to make. That although she came from Cincinnati, she was actually a Steelers fan. What should I do? That's from Graham. In, that's from Graham in Hemel Hempstead. I, I think if you like her, you got to stick with her, son. I mean, I, I you know, the, there's more to, more to life than there. It's always a good story to have, a bit of a joke. I mean, I wouldn't be happy about it, but I reckon if you like her, hold on, she's hold a good on. Girl I remember and... a previous podcast where you said you almost had a fight with your cousin or something like that when. Uh, was that right at the dinner what? table? No, maybe I because they said they were Steelers fan. They're giving you some jip over the dinner table. Was no, I mean if 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 if, if, if <clears> some <throat> if some cousin was giving me jip about the Steelers, then I'd have a jip back in. But I mean, if it's if it's a nice young lady that you've been out with, and I mean if she's and she's legitimately from Cincinnati as well. So you're saying you can make it work? Swallow yeah, the pride sure. I mean, and make I, it work? Yeah, I mean. If she's a if she's a massive Steelers fan and she got all the jerseys and she goes to the games and everything else, then you know I I think you'd be a bit pissed off by it because why is she lying to you? But at the same time, if you've hit it off, everything's going well. I think you'd be foolish to turn your back on it. American foolish. women are fantastic. Wow. American okay. women are great. They're good laughs. I think you know you you got a good one. Graham, I hope you're listening. I hope you can put that aside and focus. I think what Nathan's trying to say, you've got to focus on your feelings without sounding like Yoda too much. On your feelings, you will focus or whatever Yoda says. I don't know. Uh, Dear Nathan, another Tinder-themed one, I've got a fake Tinder account where my profile picture is a pig just so I can browse the people on there. But now someone I really like the look of has matched with me. What should I do? Should I carry on pretending to be a pig? Meet her dressed as a pig or tell the truth. That's from Wolfgang in Totnes. <laughs> when he said a pig, does he mean a physical, the animal pig? Yeah, I think, like he means, who's I think he means like, like a pig. I think, no, no, no. I think he means uh, a picture of a, a, a pig, the animal. Well, the question is, like, should he reveal himself? Yeah, what should I do? Should I carry on pretending to be a pig? Meet her dressed as a pig or tell her the truth because she's obviously quite attracted to the picture of the pig. I, I just think you've got to go to truth, and yeah, what 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 good could come of being the pig at the end of the day? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no good that could come from it. Like, she knows it ain't a pig. You come dressed up as a pig, and it looks a bit desperate and a bit weird. I think. <laughs> I think you've just got to go all in and just say, Look, I did. I'll tell you a story. Um, uh, you know, I'm in a a band and uh, one night we were playing a gig and we turn up at this venue and um, we turn up a bit early to set up and whatnot and coming out or just finishing was uh, what was called a yiffing party a what? Uh, a yiffing party I don't know if you know what yiffing is I have absolutely no idea what a yiffing it, basically is. yiffing sounds a bit dodgy if I must it is it. a bit dodgy it's basically human adults dressing up as animals and and hanging out, hanging out with each other, 
And the more... <laughs> to your television, I love the the more than the thing I love with this is the fact that you're doing a gig at this venue after. I know, right? It, it shows and people... shows the type of gigs that you're doing venues at, my and, the, and these people were dressed either in like full-on animal onesies with you know the whole face, animal face, and horns and tails. Some were just kind of half dressed with little ears on or little tails on or whatever. Do you know what I mean? There was varying levels of commitment there, but the most extreme. <laughs> Uh, the most extreme uh, level of yiffing uh, people having, uh, how can I say, sexy times with each other dressed as animals. That's the, that's what yiffing means. I didn't see any of that going on, thank goodness. But um, <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. I bet you'd have loved it, Stella, if you turned up an hour earlier. What are you talking about? It sounds rough. Uh, so basically you're telling... What would you, what would you go as to a yiffing party? Oh, that's a really good question. Right, so some sort of yak, maybe, or um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, or that would have to be like a pantomime horse scenario, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it really? She goes a double act, son, as a pantomime yeah, horse. Yeah, that's right. But uh, me and you would go as a yak to a yiffing party. How about that? That would be good. Uh, or not actually that might be weird the next one uh dear nathan i have a dilemma i'm the best man at a wedding uh next weekend and i've sent them a snippet of a terribly written fake speech to panic them turns out they like it and are excited i've also told them the whole speech comes to a minute and 10 seconds Uh, i'm worried they'll be disappointed with the actual speech that's from tom in surrey and he sent the actual fake speech. Do you want to hear this? Go on then. Firstly, a bit of housekeeping. The fire escapes are located here, here and here. Uh, if anyone comes across a classic car carrier bag, please could they hand it in to reception? I know there's an owner who misses it dearly and he's going to stare at the bride and apparently this bag is filled with very rude and naughty things. I know it's usually taboo to talk about previous marriages, but I just wanted to say, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I first met David at a homeless shelter I used to volunteer in. He wasn't homeless, but people often mistook him for being a hobo because of how he looked and smelled. I'm really pleased they have scrubbed up so well for today. I guess miracles really do happen. Emma and David are deeply religious and the main purpose of this marriage is so that they can finally do you-know-what without God watching disapprovingly. But of course, there are other benefits of being wed, such as tax breaks. So that that was the fake speech that Tom sent to his pals and they, act, you know, just to kind of wind them up a little bit, you know, a bit risque, but actually the, the real speech he'd written was very sweet and a few gags in there, but not quite as edgy as that. Um, but they really liked that one. So, I mean, I'm you've done a few best man scenarios before. I can imagine you're a very good best man uh, speech giver. What What does Uncle Nathan say about that conundrum? I think you've got to blend them together. I think you've got to give some niceties in there. You can't just because there's family there and there's you know people that you know won't find the the disgraceful one that sincere. So I think you've just got to blend them together, son. Couple of the couple of the jokes in there with, mixed in among the niceties. I think you can build a house that fits for everyone. Wow, that is. Listen to that line. You've done this before. Build a house that suits everyone. Wow. Right, get your, get your laughing gear around this, Uncle Nathan. My boyfriend is the biggest chatterbox I've ever met. 
And what makes it worse is that on the rare occasions I do manage to get a word in edgeways, he stares at me vacantly so it's clear he's not listening to a word I say. I want to dump him, but there's a weird reason I haven't. He's got a third nipple in the centre of his ribcage, and when he takes off his T-shirt, his torso resembles a very kind-looking face. It's as though his regular nipples look like eyes, his additional nipple a little nose, and his belly button a cute, surprised little mouth. Anyway, I take into calling this chest man Christopher, and when my boyfriend is sleeping, I have long, one-sided conversations with him about my feelings and what's happened during my day. Christopher's a great listener, and although he never responds, it's clear he oozes compassion and sympathy. I've even started to develop strong sexual feelings for Chris and taken to kissing his mouth, stroke belly button, when my boyfriend is snoring heavily. I realised things had gotten out of hand when I became frantic one morning last week after spotting some belly button fluff in my boyfriend's navel. Take it out, I screamed. Christopher's choking. What should I do? That's uh, Karen in East Grimstead. <laughs> There's been some low moments on this podcast <laughs> for four or five years. <laughs> But I think that's taken the risk yet. Well, Karen, <laughs> I, it doesn't got, matter. Got, Karen needs your help. You know, Karen, need, what's she going to do about her and Christopher? Karen needs to see a therapist. I think I don't think anything else needs to be said for that. Um, well, Uncle Nathan, thank you for your sage advice. That was actually, believe it or not, that last one was an actual uh, problem written into a national newspaper and published. So, you know, just saying that uh, it may take the biscuit and was a low point, but that is actually true, that story. There you go. There you go. Right, uh, we're going to wrap this up in a second. Uh, just a bit of news. Uh, we should be in a position to confirm our uh, trip to uh, Cincinnati in the autumn. Uh, touchdown trips who we've kind of partnered with and are putting on this trip are uh, working very hard to, again, kind of just confirm some last-minute details and uh, we should hear back and be able to confirm, certainly this week, so keep an eye out on our social feeds and we'll talk about that next week uh, in the episode. Um, and, uh, you know, June is the real month, the, the tundra, the windswept Serengeti of the... Uh, of the uh, off-season when nothing much happens. There's tumbleweeds all over the place. So now is the best and the right time to bring back our watch parties. And we've got four planned uh, over the month of June because, of course, training camp starts in July. Uh, we've got four games uh, to watch um, uh, throughout this month, starting next Sunday, Sunday the 5th of June. Uh, time to be confirmed and, of course, you can get all the details on our Twitter feed. It's not really possible on Facebook. So all you Facebookers out there, head on over to at Whoday underscore UK and all will be revealed. We will say that the opening game is the opening game of last season. It is the Bengals hosting the Minnesota Vikings. The watch parties are all always really good fun. So do uh, come along, spend some time with us on a Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon if you're in the States 
And uh, yeah, let's relive some golden Bengals moments when uh, there's nothing much else going on. Um, That'd be a good watch, that Vikings game. Mm. That's one of those that you sort of have forgotten about a bit because it's such a long season last year. That's a great game. So it'd be a good yeah, one. Yeah, it really was a great game, wasn't it? And very tight uh, against, uh, at that point, a decent team or at least a decent looking team. The Bengals looking to come out of the traps, all their big, shiny new toys, borrow back, Jamar Chase's debut, uh, all sorts going on. Beautiful weather, I seem to. Uh, remember in at Paul Brown Stadium, uh, so yeah, they're always good fun to watch parties, and it really does uh, uh, create a real community vibe uh, during the off season. Keeps everyone together and uh, and whatnot. So we'll uh, put up the link to the YouTube uh, later on this week and confirm the time. Uh, but until then, I think that's about it. Really, um, thanks for listening, and it is a who day from me and Christopher. <laughs> and a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.